Andy, Ohio State is four games into the season. Michigan is five games into the season. And it looks more and more likely that the round-robin tournament between Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan will decide the Big Ten East, the Big Ten champion, and a spot in the college football playoff. Maybe, man. But after watching Penn State struggle against Northwestern, there's a chance that it might just be Michigan and Ohio State, just the way God intended it to be. I'm okay with that. This is the game. Andy, in the last two weeks, Michigan has completely controlled Rutgers and then won their first road game at Nebraska in a more dominating fashion than they had won their first four games. That seems to put them on track for the Michigan team everybody expected to see this season. Yeah, I think they're figuring it out. And it seems like they used the first three games of the season as almost an experimental lab to figure out sort of what schemes and what personnel Uh, packages are going to work best going into the Big Ten schedule. I will tell you that one quarter into the Rutgers game, I wasn't necessarily convinced that we had it figured out or that we were even going to escape Rutgers. If you recall, it was 7-7 one quarter in with a big, a big bust on uh, secondary coverage that led to Rutgers only score of the game. Um, But Michigan figured it out, adjusted and then went on to smash uh, the Scarlet Knights 31 to 7. Rutgers looked like they might be a pretty solid team. They had been 3-0, and but really beating nobody. Uh, but they Rutgers sometimes will jump up and give teams a hard time. Sometimes they don't, but uh, it looked like maybe, you know, Rutgers certainly gave Michigan some competition in the first half. But I've yet to watch Michigan this year and thought, boy, if they're not careful, they're going to lose this game. It just has not happened. It's hard to do when you're only giving up like six points a game to ever lose. We talked about being snake bit, and that was my concern going into the the Big Ten season is that is Michigan going to come in lazy like they did, say, against Bowling Green, or is J.J. McCarthy going to have just an off day and then a team that is very, very uh, – expected to lose against us all of a sudden in a in a dogfight with us late in the game and I don't think that the Scarlet Knights are a bad team I think they're good and honestly I think they'd look a lot better if they weren't in the Big Ten East for instance if they were in the Big Ten West I'd put them at some small odds of winning the whole the whole dang thing over there um and they're they're well disciplined they've got a great coach in Siano so to beat them handedly, I think, gives me a little bit more comfort about the season. Now, what does beating Rutgers and Nebraska really tell you about how you're going to perform against teams like Ohio State and Penn State? Some, but not a lot. But Michigan literally won't know the answers to those questions until the last three games of the year. Now, I will say the last three games stretch that they have at Penn State, at Maryland, and Ohio State at home, that's a pretty tough stretch. Until then, we're not, I don't know how much we're going to learn about Michigan. Their defense looks really stifling, though, even more than they have been the last few years so far. Definitely on the line, it does. I have concerns about our secondary still, and we're still not completely healthy uh, at secondary. One of the areas where we lack an amazing amount of depth, and even against Rutgers and Nebraska, we got caught off guard on a couple plays, a little flat-footed, and I'm not entirely sure about the scheme that Jesse Minter's calling for some of the plays. But those are relatively minor concerns to have. I don't think I've ever felt this comfortable and excited five games in than I ever have. No, when you know what I've noticed this year and the last two years when I watch Michigan, a team will start a drive, they'll hit a big play, but even if you're down on Michigan's 25 with the first down, I'm still like, well, let's see if they actually score any points because Michigan's defense 
uh, is tough to score against. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, there's a good amount of truth to that. Uh, and this this bothers me a little bit, this phrase, bend but don't break defense, where you give up a couple busts, a couple big plays, but at the end of it, you only allow for three points or, you know, there's a there's a, you know, a, a four down stand in the red zone. Um, and Ohio State has a lot of bend but don't break type attitudes. They're much improved defense, as as was evident in the Ohio State Notre Dame game. I think it's it's clear to say that the defense won that game for them. Yeah, both teams have kind of caught flack this year for not being as dominant as people thought they were going to be. So I'll throw some numbers out. Michigan last year in the regular season averaged about 40 points a game, 39.8 points a game. They gave up 12.7, so their point differential was 27.1 points a game. This year they're scoring 34.4 a game, so they're scoring almost you know five and a half points less a game, but they're giving up 6.7 points less per game. So they're actually winning in more dominant fashion slightly, 28.4 points compared to 27 Ohio State this year is scoring 10 points a game less than they averaged last year. So it's a pretty significant drop-off. But guess what? They're giving up almost 11 points fewer per game. So they, too, have a slightly larger margin of victory on average this year. Now, other than Notre Dame, Ohio State's played their three non-conference opponents. So we'll see what those numbers look like as the season progresses for both teams because Michigan hasn't really played anybody with a capable offense yet either. Right. And is going back to scoring offense and scoring defense, it'll be interesting to test the axiom that defense wins championships because Ohio State with still the second ranked scoring defense in the country and Michigan with the first ranked scoring defense. And if you want to look deeper into parity, Ohio State ranked 38th in scoring offense, Michigan ranked 39th. So if these uh, trends continue, it should be quite a matchup going into uh, the game in Ann Arbor at the end of November. All right. Well, two more Michigan games in the books. I don't know. Does Michigan have a Heisman contender still? They they seem to be getting okay numbers, but not like some of the more high-profile candidates. Blake Corum has run well. He's had some good runs, but he's not even putting up 100 yards a game yet. And they are five games in. I still think if he had monster games when he's really going to be used against Penn State, Ohio State, maybe Maryland, he'll have a chance to get in it. Same maybe with McCarthy, although there are other quarterbacks around the country putting up much bigger numbers. Yeah, I mean, I would tell you if Michigan continues to win late into the season, the uh, the press is going to find somebody to elevate to Heisman contender because that's the flaw in Heisman, right, is that you look at the teams that are doing really well and you pick a player as to their secret for success. And if it's a complete team effort, which I think Michigan is really looking right right now, there's no person who's going to put up the numbers that you typically go after for a Heisman winner. But I think they'd be hard pressed to take a team that runs the table in, in big 10 play or gets close to it and not say, well, this is the person. And so, you know, it could be JJ McCarthy, it could be Blake Corm. If Roman Wilson continues to catch touchdown passes at the rate that he's going. I mean, he's looking to he's looking to potentially eclipse Braylon Edwards records as the most touchdown uh, catches in a season. So there's a potential that he comes up and, you know, comes in, you know, the fifth in the voting for Heisman or but I I think you're right. I think there's not one factor. And JJ is, you know, he's a gamer. He's got moxie, but at the same time he's more than happy to hand it off to Blake Corum or he's more than happy to you know, do a little dink and dunk pass. And so I, I don't think that allows for stats that catch the eye of people who aren't watching the games. Well, they're feeding Corum the touchdowns to keep those numbers up so that by the end of the season, he might have very impressive touchdown numbers, even if his total yards aren't as impressive as maybe were thought. But again, he hasn't had to be used. It's not like he's averaging 25 carries a game like he probably did last year. It's funny. There's no better argument for yes we're trying to pad Blake Quorum's stats a little bit than not giving the ball to Kalel Mullins in the you know in the goal line package because that guy's turned out just to be a complete dump truck I mean you can't arm tackle the guy he runs through defenders he's the person that you want on third and short and we use him on third and short but if it's third and short at the two 
then the ball is going to Blake Quorum. So I think that's pretty telling as to, you know, Blake's put in the work. We want to try to elevate him. We want to try to get him as much uh, visibility as possible. So as you would hope they would for their their guy. No, I disagree. Honestly, I disagree. I, I'd want to give it to the person who has the most likelihood of putting the ball in the end zone. And I'm has not Corum been stopped yet? <laughs> I don't think so. I well, we haven't played a team with a really elite defensive line, and my fear is that we just say, "Oh, give it to Corum when we're playing against Penn State." or say give it to Corm when we're playing against Ohio State because that's been the MO. And not only is Corm maybe not physically best prepared just to do a power run through the middle, I think those defenses are going to be more ready for it because we've that, that's what we've shown. Now, talk about revolutionizing the sport of football. I'm not sure what's going on with Donovan Edwards, though. He hasn't really looked impressive in any facet of the game yet this year. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think he's... I hate to say it, it feels like he's taken a bit of a step back from from last year. And maybe that's just because the highlight reel of the Ohio State game put stars in my eyes over what I expect him to turn into. But he doesn't seem to have the downfield vision that he had. He doesn't seem to have the the potential to cut even half as well as he did last year. And he's never been elite at that. Um, and I, I mean, Kalel Mullins has taken a little bit more of the spotlight. And so... I don't know. Maybe he'll stick around for one more year in light of this year, not him being the star and having to share the spotlight um, with Blake Corum a little bit more. So I, I don't know. It, it, one of the I feel bad for him, but he also put himself in the situation where he, he drew the attention onto himself. But the team's not really suffering because our RB2 is, you know, only great, not fantastic. Corum put him in that position, too, by coming back. I'm sure Donovan Edwards was thinking that this is, was going to be his year to shine. And, look, I don't think his skills have diminished. He's a phenomenal athlete. I think he's quite the weapon. They haven't, honestly, they haven't needed him. Also, to me, Michigan's offensive line hasn't been quite as dominant to me looking at the games. Yet, like we talked about, they're dominating from a score, from a point differential standpoint as much as they did last year. But that doesn't look quite the same. The defense does. Yeah. The defense line is surprisingly better than I thought it would be. The offensive line, I knew would take a step back because we've won the Joe Moore for two years and running. But I am surprised that it, you're right. We don't seem to have things quite figured out. And nothing can be uh, typify that more than the fact that we're still switching out starters, you know, in in game five. Chris Hinton's out at left tackle and Ladarius Henderson who, as far as run blocking, looks a thousand times better. But we're still struggling a lot on pass protection. And we're only not getting punished because J.J. McCarthy is so quick on his feet and can scramble outside the pocket and still make incredible throws. I'm sure every time he scrambles like that, though, Michigan fans are like, God, don't get hurt. Oh, don't get hurt. Yeah, I mean, every time he gets a hand on him. But, I mean, he uh, he was a three-man rush from Nebraska uh, on that uh, touchdown pass where he scrambled out and threw across his shoulder uh, to a, um, a Roman Wilson, who was basically just in broken play mode trying to find um, some space between him and his defender. That was a three-man rush. It wasn't a blitz. It was a three-man rush against Michigan's line, and they were all over him within a matter of seconds. That's a little bit concerning going into you know stronger teams in the future. Although, as we've said, there really are no stronger teams until the last three games of the year. So Michigan will just have to just keep watching them week by week and see how it goes before we learn a whole lot about them. And the other thing is, even if Michigan takes its lumps a little bit more, provided we stay healthy and keep our skill position players healthy, I mean, what if we give up two more touchdowns to any other team? Then it's going to be, oh, we won 45 to 21. Right? I mean, there is a lot of buffer between uh between um how we're winning now and how we could play and still win the game even though michigan hasn't played anybody really yet i still think they should be ranked ahead of georgia now i think texas should be ranked number one right now they've actually got some wins on their resume that are are solid or impressive you know they beat alabama on the road for example yeah they've played it and they've beaten another ranked team so they've got the resume and the performance to justify being number one 
I, I don't like that Georgia's number one because they've been number one for the last two years. That's the only reason. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of to be the man, you got to beat the man mentality going in, plus SEC bias. And you, you're you watching the slow, the slow withering away of the SEC is the most dominant uh, uh, conference in all of college football. So I think those who stand to continue to profit from SEC bias are going to push the narrative as hard as they can until there's a reason not to. And so, yeah, Georgia, Georgia looked like they almost could have gone down last week against who did they play? Auburn. Yeah. Auburn. But, but, you know, that's not a gimme. It's they not, were playing it's, at it's Auburn. It's not a gimme, but that's definitely not. I mean, and maybe they were just caught flat footed as many great teams are and they pulled it out. I never thought for a second that they were going to no, lose that game. Unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's I, that, I think Michigan should be ranked ahead of Georgia. That being said, Michigan's SP plus have played the n- number 112th schedule as far as difficulty in the country. It's hard to have them jump the reigning national champions when you've just beat up on people who are in the lowest decile or definitely lowest quartile of performance. And it just doesn't matter. Oh, I don't care where Ohio State is ranked right now. They will have the opportunity, having beaten one team that's still ranked in the top 10, and with two more on the schedule, by the end of the year, they'll have had their opportunity to show whether they're a top four team or not and get into the playoff. You know, touching on showing whether they deserve it or not, you still have to show it from a week-to-week basis. And even with both of our teams being very dominant and very expected to do well going in. Both of our teams received a little flack from the talking heads of football who just have to fill up hours of airtime with their hot takes. And Michigan, it was none other than Urban Meyer coming into the Nebraska game who said that Michigan's not going to be able to run against this stout Nebraska defensive <laughs> so line. Much for that. And nothing made me happier than just sitting there watching Urban have to eat his words, and of course they never went to comment for him afterwards. And uh, we'll get into it a little bit later. But uh, 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 Ohio State had some some very vocal doubters going in that that led to both some fantastic sound bites, uh, both before and after the game. But understandably, Michigan took care of business in both their games. In you know uh, 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 games that were over by the third quarter in Rutgers and the half at the Nebraska game. And it was really good to see the twos and threes get a lot of playtime. Uh, uh, Jaden Denegal threw a beautiful pass. And I think he could possibly be you know, the future of this football team coming next year. And that's good to see him and the rest of the team get a lot of reps, but I'm not convinced that the the second line for Michigan or Ohio state couldn't win most of the games on their schedule or even win the Big Ten West if they were the starting lineup for the team playing in the Big Ten West. These are two deep, talented teams. There's no doubt about it. It's great. But let's talk about which what is undeniably the more exciting game. And this is coming from a Michigan fan uh, in Notre Dame playing uh, Ohio State. All right. Well, we have to start then with numbers, Andy. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast. For it is a human number. What's your number, Andy? My number is 30 and 30. 30 and 30. 30 and 30. Touchdown passes and pick sixes by the end of J.J. McCarthy's career. (laughs) (laughs) Wishful thinking on your part. Um, 30 for 30 would be the score if you compared Michigan's scoring in the fourth quarter against all of its opponents' total scoring against Michigan up to this point. Or another one is 48 to 30 which is the amount of points Roman Wilson's had against all of the offense against Michigan so far. Yeah, and I know Michigan's defense has had at least one score. So you take those seven points away from their current six-point-per-game average given up, and and as a net scoring differential just for the defense, they're doing quite well. Absolutely. If you had told me three years ago that – 
Jim Harbaugh, after six years of not beating Ohio State, again, not winning a home game for the first time in Michigan football history, would somehow turn around recruiting classes that have still averaged between 10 and 15. They're not even really consistently getting top 10 recruiting classes, yet he has. they have developed players and a system that is dominating uh, defensively. I don't know how Michigan's defensive line year after year, every year, I think, uh, for the last few years, well, they have to drop off this year because they lost Aiden Hutchinson or they lost Mozzie Smith or they lost somebody that went to the NFL and they just keep making more. Even though they weren't, not that they weren't highly ranked players coming out of high school, but they're not ranked, let's say, as highly as some of Ohio State's defensive linemen have been. Right. And I got to tell you, while the the seasons of five, six, seven years ago become ever more distant in my mind and clearly no less distant in your mind, almost like you're clinging on to them. Um, I think it was foolish for myself and for other Michigan fans to expect that that the program was going to turn around in a couple of years. I mean, Michigan's was in shambles and had to play, you know, the most dominant team of that era as far as win-loss, maybe second to Alabama at the end of every season. I mean, it just it wasn't going to happen overnight, even though we all wanted it to and expected it to. And I think there's something to be said with development over recruiting. I mean, we 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 didn't have, you know, we had top 10, top 15, some, you know, uh, sometimes a top seven or top five class, but it wasn't guaranteed. And now we're out there beating anybody. And so that's special and the portal has certainly helped with that but i i mean i'm not i'm not hating on it i'm not looking back and wishing it happened quicker i just hope to keep this train rolling and the other good thing is it doesn't feel as devastating when michigan doesn't land an elite recruiting class because we've done more yeah, with you, less in the in the yeah, past and so absolutely now that we've slid from first in the country in the 2024 recruiting rankings to i think 12th now it's disappointing for sure because I think we could do a lot with an elite recruiting class, but it doesn't. It's not the death knell that I thought it was going to be for the longest time. No, they've they've outperformed their recruiting, and they're, it's not like they're recruiting poorly. I mean, they're still cranking guys into the NFL that are doing quite well, and we've talked about this before. I mean, I I love the three star guys who you you cannot measure in a high school junior what their work ethic is going to be or how they're going to continue to grow or develop. And they're obviously, those guys are obviously putting in the work. So I think it's out, it's outstanding. I, mean, I hate to see it because it's Michigan, but I have to give a tip of the hat. You know, you give credit where it's due. Speaking of hate to seeing it, the Notre Dame Ohio state game is one of the very few games that Ohio state has won in my recent memory that I enjoyed despite the outcome, from minute to minute. And I think that separates me from a good portion of the Ohio State fandom, as is evidenced by the fact that after the game, I had to log on to the local podcast just to hear their takes, and I expected them to be nothing more than celebratory. We beat a top 10 opponent, Notre Dame, on the road in national television in the most fantastic way possible. In the way where we've proven that our new quarterback is an absolute gunner with moxie and got it done when he needed it to get done, and they called the right plays in the end, that is not what I found when I when I pulled up the After Game Bucknucks podcast or I went to some of the websites. There was a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of concern or a lot of people very frustrated with the, with the game. You guys won! You won, yeah. it was super entertaining. It's, well, let me give you my number first. Because oh, okay, this right, is right, one of my right, favorite right, numbers yeah. ever. My number is 67, and I there's no way you'll ever guess what No, I never get your numbers, so hit me with the, uh, the 67. Lou Holtz was born on <laughs> January 6th, 1937. On October 31st, 1936, 67 days before Lou Holtz was born, Notre Dame beat Ohio State 7-2 to in South Bend, Indiana. Lou Holtz is 86 years old, and Notre Dame has not beaten Ohio State in his lifetime. So we don't play often, but I have actually personally watched all six matchups since then, 95 and 96, which were two big wins for John Cooper. We always think of John Cooper, obviously, he's identified as the guy who could never beat Michigan. 
but he actually had some really good teams and and won some big game, a few big games, not that many. But uh, the 2006 Fiesta Bowl, the 2016 Fiesta Bowl, last year and this year. I love it. Ohio State fans, a number of them, have made it so that I no longer enjoy. I don't even go on the message boards after an Ohio State game or during an Ohio State game anymore. They've they they just destroy the joy in it. It's uh, where this sense of entitlement and privilege came from is beyond me. They've got to be younger fans, fans that have only watched. Well, granted, it's twenty years. It's a generation, but those of us who are a little older. And know what it's like to slug it out year after year, decade after decade. Uh, you never take a top 10 win on the road for granted. And the way people talked about it before the game, like, well, we're just going to roll in there and destroy Notre Dame. Like, have you ever watched Notre Dame play? Like, maybe because Notre Dame over the last 20 years hasn't quite been the storied program of Newt Rockney and and win one for the Gipper and, <laughs> and their numerous national championships and the fact that they were really the premier college football program in the country for a century. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. now we act like, oh, we're just going to roll into Notre Dame and stomp them. Like, really? Well, I, said, I think it's important to realize the people who spend time on message, message boards are going to skew to the most critical of everything. And, and this is, just doesn't include our teams. It includes all teams. It doesn't even include sports. It's sports politics, the people who feel that their opinion about a sport that they probably have never played in anything above the high school level, and even then probably not well, has bearing on the decisions that people who spend their entire life <laughs> or are going to spend their entire life playing matters more, shows you that they don't have a firm grasp on reality. But it doesn't diminish my joy. I just didn't go on and look. Well, okay, I did go on and look for about two minutes. And then I'm like, you've got to be kidding with some of these hot takes. <laughs> uh, you mentioned on one of the sites, there's a guy who does a post-game analysis. And I usually enjoy reading it. And it was nothing but negativity. I thought, we just beat Notre Dame with one second left on the road. A top 10 win. Right. The best win, I think, so far in the college football season. Maybe Texas beating Alabama on the road could compete. But it was a really good win. It was a really good win. Um, that being said, had that last second, last second play fallen shorter, you know, had Notre Dame put 11 men on the field. Um, <laughs> right. I think there would be a lot of fair criticism of, of some of the play Absolutely. calling and some of the per performance. So it, it just win, baby, is, is the real difference between, hey, we can we can fix this watching film and in practice this next week versus what the heck were you thinking? And there were a few what the heck were you thinking moments for both teams during that game. There absolutely were. But last time we podcast, I mentioned that what I knew about Kyle McCord through the first three games was that he had arm talent. The guy could make some throws. I mean, he makes some really nice throws. And after our years of Haskins to Justin Fields to CJ Stroud, especially CJ Stroud, which now is being backed up by his performance in the NFL, but he threw the prettiest balls like I've literally almost ever seen a quarterback make. He, he just throws dimes, and I thought, God, how are we going to replace that? Well, McCord... He's not as consistently accurate, but not he's yet. also in start four. Yeah. But what I didn't know was, does McCord have resilience? Does he have mental toughness? What's it going to be like? Well, I got to say, on the, <laughs> that last drive, what more do you want the guy to do? He threw like eight incompletions on that drive, yet he converted third and ten, fourth and seven. The only ones that... Third and 19 <laughs> from like the 23... What more do you want the guy to do? The only it was amazing. Yep, the only ones that mattered. And I will tell you that they, they had like a close-up shot of him going into that drive. I'm like, this yeah. guy looks nervous. He looked nervous. Hell. And I'm like... <laughs> and I, I would have been too. I'd I have been terrified. I, I texted to you. I said, this is his chance to be a Buckeye legend. But yeah. I much more expected the game to end at a pick six, to be quite honest. Like, I'm like... You know he's gonna he's gonna try to he's gonna try to force it in somewhere and it's just gonna be interception. That's the, that's gonna be the ball game. And it almost was. It he almost threw was. one that was dropped. And you as soon as you sent that, like, well, now's his chance to be a legend. 
Uh, missed on first down, wildly overthrew Henderson on second down. I actually texted you back, like not looking very legendy <laughs> so far. I, I would have, uh, I would have bet against the the outcome of that game going into the drive, even even on odds. And and that's and that's what made it such a phenomenal end to the game is that it was unexpected. You asked your new quarterback to do something on a hostile road territory that he's never really done before. He had plenty of bad throws, but when he needed to make it happen, it happened. And that last toss to the to the one yard line, oh, I that mean was it couldn't on have, a rope. It couldn't have been half a yard in any other direction. I mean the receiver in who caught who caught was it in Buka? Ibuka. Yeah. caught it at the one. Yeah, and that was I mean, it couldn't have been placed anywhere else and been caught. I, I mean it was relatively good coverage. And that, I mean look it looked like we were going to lose that game. You were going to lose, you're going to lose. And does that mean McCord is no good and he's not clutch? And I think a little too much has been made of that game now because we've had a bye week to sit and continue to to analyze it every which way. But that was one of the most fun comebacks that reminded me of like the 1997 Rose Bowl after the 96 season when Joe Germain hit David Boston in the last minute to uh to beat Arizona State that was I mean there have been a few games obviously we've won a lot of games over the years and we've won some clutch games the the Curtis Samuel walk-off run against Michigan of course after the spot etc but that was that was a thrilling game I mean I was up on my feet it was fantastic constantly I enjoyed it and if you can't enjoy a game like this I got tough news for you Buckeye fans I mean there might be a few more of them coming down the road you just don't have the the most elite offense that you're used to and there might have to be a few comeback wins but a comeback win is still a win a a a win when you've only scored three touchdowns is still a win and you're gonna have to find the joy in some of these different wins almost almost every team that has a great season has some game along the way now what we don't know still is is Notre Dame really good like Notre Dame then followed it up and I I predicted that they would be kind of flat that was a brutal loss for Notre Dame. If Ohio State had lost a game in that fashion, which we have, right? Clemson in 2019, Georgia last year, just brutal. It's hard oh, to get over those. Yeah. And as a fan, it's hard to get over it. Can you imagine as a player? Now imagine having to play another ranked team on the road the next week. Yet Notre Dame found a way to have their own last-minute loss to victory clutch drive with some huge plays in it. Yeah, this is the problem that super fans run into is we clamor for so much content and so much analysis where at the end of the day, there's just the time on the field and the plays that were made and the teams that we faced to to think. And sometimes you're not going to know what a team's going to be until they play, you know, another team that looks just as good as them. And is Notre Dame as good as Ohio State? Yeah, I think so. But I I. I don't know how good Notre Dame is. No, I yet. think, well, look, from a talent standpoint, Notre Dame averages top 10 recruiting classes. So right. the, they've got talent. They turn guys out to the NFL. They've got good coaching. They look pretty solid this year. They had scored 40 points in five consecutive games until we held them to 14. Yeah, the Buckeyes defense is finally the the silver bullet defense, I think, that the Buckeye fans expected Jim Knowles to, to bring in immediately. and. Yeah. I think having such an elite offense, having a number one in the country offense in the past, allowed the defense to perform at a level below their talent because they didn't they didn't have to. They they were able to maybe be a little bit more flat footed, a little bit uh, less uh, sound in their schemes because you knew that Ohio State was going to score forty plus every time, and now. There's going to have to be a little bit more balance in the team, but I don't think balance is necessarily a bad thing. You're just going to have to get used to games where you don't win by three touchdowns or games where you don't cover the spread. Ohio State's offense has not looked as sharp as I was hoping they would, but is was that a springboard for Kyle McCord? That had to be a confidence booster. How can you not lead a comeback like that that's that clutch and... Feel good about it, and maybe, and now you know. Two games ago, he didn't even know if he was the starter, and now he's got that one under his belt. He's got that feather in his cap. 
We'll find out soon because we've got Maryland this week, which is not a joke. Maryland is no joke. They have played us to the wire uh, a few times, although that's usually playing in Maryland. Uh, yeah. At Ohio State, we've tended to dominate them more. We are at home this week. But I th- I think it'll be a good test. Like Maryland can throw the ball. They've got a good offense. They've recruited fairly well for the, you know, the other Big Ten teams. <laughs> they recruit well. Yeah, Mike Loxley is a good coach. He was clearly showed himself to be better than Josh Gaddis as the as virtue of him having a uh, having a head coaching job and not having to bounce around from three different offensive coordinators. But they're positions. together again. Uh, together at last. Can you imagine that sort of relationship if it went down like that? You both took jobs in different places after being disciples of Nick Saban. One of them got a head coaching job. One got an offensive coordinator job at a better university. And then they start jawing each other. And next thing you know, Gaddis is out at Michigan, at Miami, where he stunk it up. And then it's basically the uh, life raft that that Loxley throws to Gaddis, where he has to be his, his little helper. He's got to be his little offensive coordinator. How desperate do you have to be to swallow your pride like that and go to work for the person that you thought you were going to be able to to be the big man over for the rest of your career? Yeah, we'll see how it goes, because I think Ryan Day has a special place in his heart for both Mike Loxley, who probably threw Chase Young under the bus back in 2019 or I, I 2018. Don't, I don't remember that. What was what's the story behind that? Well, uh, uh, I know the Josh. See if Gattis I remember story. the details. Yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna say Gaddis, of course, also threw shade like Lou uh, Holtz that, did. That shade is at Ohio State. That shade is sticking though. I mean, you can you can look back at uh, you know Notre Dame's impressive win, but I don't know, man. Ryan Day pregame said we're gonna let it fly. And it sounded like he was going to come in there, going to really impose their will on Notre Dame. And maybe, you know, sometimes a coach just has to say stuff. But they did a little cutesy, cutesy stuff that looked like they were not completely confident in their ability to impose their will. And I think, as you know, nothing is more uh, proving of that than the the wide receiver jet sweep play call on fourth and one that I, I thought was going to break Ohio State's back. When really they should have just run it up the gut, you know. Well, but they did run it up the gut on third and one. They ran it right up the gut, <laughs> right. and they got stuffed. So I don't know. It's one of those calls. If it works, and Boogie gets six yards, yeah. everybody be like, "Oh, what a great call!" I, 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 I almost ignore that in sports anymore. Morons who are like, "Oh, that's stupid." Well, of course you know it was a dumb call if if it doesn't work. But, you know, we didn't, so we didn't actually address Lou Holtz's comments, which were that Ohio State is somehow soft and not physical enough, as if Notre Dame is. Uh, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know where he thought, who he thought we were playing. Like, well, you see it when they get, when they play Alabama, the national champion, Georgia, the national champion, Clemson, the national champion. You know, yes, it's true. And, and two, the best two Michigan teams in a generation since their 97 national championship team, probably, or maybe the 06 team that we barely beat. But uh, yeah, so when we've played the very best teams that college football has to offer each year, we have lost close games. Oh, I guess that means Ohio State just isn't physical. Uh, like Ryan Day, so I would disagree with slightly with what Ryan Day said. I think we had two bad halves, not uh, just one. Yeah. I, less. I, I, I mean, the first half last year was not a bad half for from a physical standpoint. Uh, they had two blown coverages that let Michigan get back in the game. That was it. Uh, but the second, I would take exception, the second half of both of the last two years. But Georgia didn't out-physical us last year. And in fact, it wasn't for some really crappy refereeing. We win that game and probably win the national championship. These people have to stay relevant. They are not active coaches. They're not players. They are not even the best analysts. So they're not up there given the play-by-play or the color analysis. All they have are hot takes. And, I mean, Stephen A. Smith has made a, made a, a, yeah. a cottage industry on right. it. So I get the pressure. And when it's your alma mater, you got to amp it up a little bit. What I was surprised about, Reggie, is it it – uh, put Ryan Day on tilt a little bit in a way that I've never seen before. And I 
loved it. I loved, I loved it loved as well. I love the humanity. I love the fact that, you know, they're, they're the consummate businessmen who are under significant pressure. This is a business trip. They go in there. It was a great win. We played a really hard team. You know, kudos to kudos to uh, Notre Dame. They really tried it hard, and we're looking forward to the next uh, the next challenge. Go Bucks. Off you go. And that is not the response that we got. It was, where's, where's Lou, Lou Holtz? Holtz? Where's Lou Holtz? It was like a WWF promo, man. I was, I was so amped up because I'm human and you're human. And certainly we've walked out of shifts and encounters with patients and tough, tough situations rattled and certainly not professional. And we wonder how do these coaching automatons go in this, this boilerplate of, of of stress on a where everyone including your own fandom maybe more than anybody your own fandom is going to judge you based on the outcome and stay so businesslike and ryan day didn't and it was glorious to see it was glorious and it was because it was so like it was so human it was, it was so, so real it was yeah. so honest i loved it we are as ER doctors and most of the ER doctors I've known in my career are among the most professional people. You wouldn't believe the crap people have to put up with working in an emergency room. It, it's like to, to act like the mark of a professional is you can just take any abuse from anybody for however long it takes and you just don't react. Yeah, You're just so cool. Eat that crap like, sandwich and just smile. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm a pretty patient guy. I'm a pretty even keeled guy, but like, have my buttons ever been pushed to the point where I was about to lose it? Yes. And so that's what happened. That's what you saw, man. Yeah. Ryan Day. You don't think, I don't know, the, the, the narrative sometimes that fans get, like, he just doesn't care enough about it or whatever. You don't think Ryan Day is oh, competitive Day enough for college football? Yeah. And that's, it, it, give me a break. It's great to see the mask slip every now and then. And it made me really happy. Although going after her, an octogenarian not really active in the sport is a weird is a weird take. The other thing I really liked about it is it's clear that his two losses to Michigan are living rent free in his and, head because well, and the his, Georgia loss and the Clemson uh, loss. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's been his he's lost six games in five years now, four and a half. Uh, but they years. were really important. But games they were really Reggie. big. <laughs> they were really big games. You're playing at the highest level on the biggest stage. The, the funny thing is when I heard his comments, I had not seen Lou Holtz's comments. So I'm sure like uh, probably millions of Americans, I was Googling, what did Lou Holtz say? It was, it was <laughs> very know, like, deep. It was so inconsequential. That's the thing. Like it wasn't your typical bulletin board material. It was a passing comment from Lou Holtz where it, 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 it was a cheap shot. It was a cheap shot, but all has it gets plenty of them. It just it was weird that he, like, I hope Mike Loxley says Ohio State is so soft we're going to destroy Where's them. Where's Lou Holtz? <laughs> Where's Mike Loxley? I, I don't know. Mark Where's Lo Josh Gaddis? Both of those would have been more appropriate targets, you know, being part of the active team. That is <laughs> right. like, I I don't know. Uh, you know, speaking of humanity, uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh was as human as he always is to a goofiness level. Jim Harbaugh had the Michigan Wolverines sing oh for he's a jolly good fellow to kenneth grant who pulled in that <laughs> tipped pass in the nebraska game he had to teach most of his players the song before they could sing it and while that's cute and endearing and falls right in the thread of jim harbaugh's wackiness i'm starting to worry that his old man quirkiness <laughs> is going to at some point not be able to connect with a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds Let's who are start saying, now should i go play <laughs> i i mean i'm sure it does start now i'm sure that if he was a little more hip just a little bit more normal that he would be able to pull some talent uh that he otherwise hasn't i mean the guy the guy wins he knows football but man he's weird he's a weird dude he's he is a weird dude but no doubt about it he's as far as i'm concerned i know you disagree with me on this but he's weird in a very endearing and likable way sometimes I, I think he's worked, usually in an annoying and arrogant way i think he's worked well on his reputation i think see i mean i honestly i think ohio state did it i think the humility of losing ohio state so many times he's not really throwing any sideline tantrums anymore he's not throwing his his play cards up in the air he's not you know get, getting penalties for uh yelling at the refs i think one of it's probably age, but two of it, I think, is humility. And that humility has mostly come at the hands of Ohio State. So I think Ohio State 
paradoxically has made Jim Harbaugh a more likable coach and a more likable individual. How wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Just what I was hoping. (laughs) It's probably true, though. We've talked about being humbled in our profession. Uh, You know, working in the ER is about as humbling, I think, as as medicine gets. It is Uh, humbling every day. And it's almost like clockwork. Right when you think you know what you're doing and you can't have a bad day, uh, there is a patient encounter that goes sideways and something that you didn't consider. And it just resets the clock. And you spend the next month or sometimes years doubting yourself, wondering if you're going to have a situation like that in the future. And it is constantly humbling. Yeah. And so to see these people that we we look up to as heroes, not doctors who should be looked up to as heroes as well, but but football players and coaches go through the same process is it fulfills me a little bit. It does. It's and there's no doubt, like you said, I'm sure that the first six years, it's not like Hartman didn't have any success, right? He didn't win the biggest games, but he won a lot of games and he came awfully close a couple of times to winning the biggest game against yeah. Ohio State. Who does, who, who, and, does that, who does that sound like? Yeah, exactly. And so hopefully, and? you know, Day pulls it together and uh, not, not pulls it together in a way like he hasn't. I mean, they've been competitive at the highest levels for years. What would you rather have as a fan base? Like not... Not everybody's Nick Saban, and not every team is Alabama, and now Georgia. I mean, Day set up the 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 expectation for himself. We play to win national championships, and you have to say yeah. that. And what if do you want the, the coach, standard to be? If yeah. the coach of Ohio State, you have to say that. But it's not like he could have he could have hedged a little bit. He says, "Hey, we want to have a good season. We want to beat Michigan, and set the standard a little bit less for him." But there's there's nobody who can hedge now because he knows he's said and he needs to play at the highest level and that's for national championships which he hasn't yet but maybe this is the year man i mean both michigan and ohio state with some work and i think both teams need to stay healthy and work in some areas where their performance isn't up to what i think they can achieve and what fans of the team has have expected but i think barring that i think both teams have not shown anything that to say that they can't make a run at the title this year. Like I said, it'll come down to that round robin. Well, Penn State, by the way, is no joke. They look legit this year. They've got a very good defense. They've got a good offensive line. They've got running backs. They've got a quarterback similar to McCord and a you know five-star guy that's kind of finding his way in his first season as a starter. So... A lot well, of see, I'm glad that game's at home. But, yeah, but but the way I don't know, I don't know how impressive it is to shut out Iowa's offense. <laughs> but but they didn't just shut them out. I mean, they completely shut Iowa down. Again, we lack the data to know, and the data is going to come. Unfortunately, when our teams play each other, because yeah, there's exactly. such a big talent gap, and I I do believe Rutgers is a very um, Check that. I do believe Rutgers is a good football team. And I do believe that Maryland is a very good football team. But if you if you beat Maryland by 21, does that tell anything about how you're going to play Penn State or Michigan? If you beat Maryland by seven, does it tell anything? I think there's just not enough to know. Maryland has played a worse schedule than Michigan so far. According to their like ranked 100 in the 120s or 130 or something in strength of schedule. So, uh, having said that, they're five and zero. They've looked pretty good. They've got a competent. They've got a good offense. And if they were in the SEC, they'd be ranked like number 15 right now. The fact that they are unranked, they're like the next team out in both polls, is only because they're Maryland. If they were LSU or Arkansas or Ole Miss or anybody else at five and zero, they'd be well inside the rankings. Yeah, they just there is there's a strong SEC multiplier, and it, it's funny because when you look at the Big Ten, it's oh, it's it's the three teams at the top, and everybody else sucks. But if if you if you tra- like you said, if you translate that over to the SEC, they would rank the next three or four teams guaranteed, even Absolutely. if it was still three teams in a big talent drop off because it's the sec and we've got them, you know, because we're going to have a national championship contender or someone in the national championship, which maybe not this year. Um, 
that means the whole conference has to be better, you know, all the way down, which isn't the case. I think, I think Rutgers and Maryland are, are relatively good teams that could, that could, uh, I, I think Maryland could really test you. I do too. Uh, I'm curious to see, can our defense, I think Maryland's offense might be more dynamic than Notre Dame's. So are oh. we going to hold them to 20 points or are we going to be in a shootout with them? Is our offense capable of, of putting up 30 some points or more against Maryland? I don't know the answers to those, but I, I think Ohio State wins that game. Then we were at Purdue, unlike 2018. I don't see that being as big of an issue this year. So I, I think yeah. Ohio State, next time we meet, we'll have two more Ws. Michigan plays at Minnesota this week and then Indiana. And I can't even for life of me come up with how either of those <laughs> games is very competitive. I know. I, I'm rooting for players to maintain health, to maintain their health and players to get a little bit more healthy as well. Um, yeah, but Minnesota and Indiana are not going to be challenges. And then Michigan has Michigan State and then Purdue. As much as I thought there was going to be some sort of a a, a challenge or a team that rose up in the in the conference that I didn't expect. I mean, it's not Indiana. It's not, it's not Minnesota. Minnesota lost to Northwestern, who yeah. the fighting North the fighting Western. Shreks. Um it's certainly not Michigan State, who's going into year negative a thousand now and is in an active coaching search. Oh, by the way, they've been in talk with none other than one unemployed coach, Urban Meyer, according to very unverifiable rumors on the internet. And that has sent the, if you think I don't go to uh, just one fandom's message boards, yeah. I go to the Michigan State ones too, because it just, it warms the cockles of my heart. Um, but they have gone into a frenzy. And if you don't get Urban Meyer at Michigan State, I, I think uh, Mike Elko was the uh, was the the reach goal before this rumor hit the boards. And now it is Urban Meyer or bust hundred and fifty million dollar contract for Urban wow. Meyer. I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, Urban's owned Michigan and it, part of me would make me a little bit nervous, but I, I would love to see I would love to see Urban Meyer back coaching again. I mean, he's. He's, he's. I don't a, know if I want to see him in the Big Ten East. Uh, to yeah, tell you exactly. the truth, he's got personality. I mean, he's got a a, uh, a malignant personality. But I mean, <laughs> the same reason I like Joey Freshwater down at Ole Miss. Like I, I mean, there's just I like to see people being coaches and players, but also being human beings. And that's why Mike Leach was such an interesting coach. Was he an elite level coach? No, but he he was almost like a human being first, and a coach as his hobby. I mean, he he thought about strategy and and uh, wrote a book about like life more than football. Swing your sword, and so Urban Meyer, though I think a bad person, is a bad person with some quirky personality, and I would like to see him as long as it's not back at Ohio State. I don't know that uh, he they're going to get him at Michigan State. That seems like a big demotion, maybe. Yeah. From- from anal- analyst to coach, but for, wow, man, shade on shade on Michigan State. <laughs> well, uh, Michigan State's a little bit of a dumpster fire right now, and uh, but uh, hey, one hundred and fifty million dollars. If that was true, you know what? I bet uh, he doesn't even care about this. These people who are the best at what they do, whether it be politics or business, have a pathological need to continue to be in the industry that they love. You just mentioned politics with football. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we did have a promise. No, of- it's not that. It's just that the difference is football, sports in general, as we've said, is really the ultimate meritocracy to the point that could you imagine doing our jobs if some other ER doc came along and said, hey, I think I could do the job better than you. I've got higher patient satisfaction scores, lower mortality rates, better compliance with uh, regulatory requirements that's what i'm constantly worried about i'm gonna take your job like you you know like most of us who live in a fairly merit-based world i mean you've got to perform to maintain jobs like ours but not like the nfl or high-level college football where one 
minute you're Cade McNamara leading a team to a Big Ten championship. And <laughs> Next then minute you're Cade McNamara. <laughs> and then you're discarded like yesterday's trash and you have to move on to Iowa. No way. Where you break your leg or whatever happened to him. And, and, uh, and I, think it, I, th- I think it was a quad <laughs> rupture. Uh, okay, I hadn't heard I, what the injury was. I don't, I, uh, there was a lot of chatter. That's unfortunate. It's super unfortunate. And it was, I mean, I feel... There's a lot of chatter uh, amongst the fan bases to, you know, does nobody deserves injury, but does Cade deserve bad performance at Iowa and Eric all. And yeah, they, they chirped a little bit on their way out and stuff like that. Eric all had the single most important play. And I think I talked about this single most important play of Michigan's 2021 season that set up the importance of the game that we won going in and Cade McNamara, not single handedly, but led the team through talent and through belief in the team and belief in himself into getting to the next level. They will always be Michigan men. I will always wish them nothing but the best, even if they didn't feel that they were treated well at Michigan. But you're right. Brian Ferentz, not included. It is mostly a meritocracy sport. It is a meritocracy, but no, that's the only reason I mentioned politics is the ultimate anti-meritocracy. <laughs> you have to have no skills or expertise in anything, as is demonstrated every day, but uh, we won't go down that road. Yeah, it is a meritocracy. And if the meritocracy says that you're worth $150 million, yeah. then that, so be it, man. It's the free market that determines these prices, not any other... Uh, well, I will say the the exception in sports, as, as far as the meritocracy, often is coaching. <laughs> the coaches are rarely held to the same standards as players. I think it's coaching. It's coaching buyouts. I think if you didn't have buyouts, if if we you could make buyouts illegal in in sports, then you'd say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah this person's worth the seven million dollars a year until they're not right? right, and then they're eating Cheerios on their couch the next day. It's the buyouts that make it seem really ridiculous. You know, if Mel Tucker finds a way to s- prove that he didn't bring great shame and, and disparagement under, under the good name of can, Michigan State can University. Can be done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's what, already admitted what, to. What, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, also, what is the bar that Michigan State sets for themselves? Yeah. But, I mean, then then he's set for life, right? And that's that seems, I mean, you ranted about this uh, last year, I believe, but it seems inherently wrong and i i think that's the one area that the meritocracy falls apart it does but the problem is it's just a runaway train you know the one coach demands a 10-year buyout then then it becomes the the standard norm and it's just like everything baseball cards or memorabilia you are only worth what people are willing to pay for you if someone's willing to pay me a hundred million dollars for a job then that's my worth uh, should I, is this, this where I give my phone number and yeah, email address yeah, if exactly. anybody is looking for yeah. a $100 yes. million? Dollar, yeah, uh, uh, by the way, Andy is a very accomplished board certified emergency <laughs> physicians yeah. and administrator. So uh, if you are willing to pay me, hey, I'll go to $10 million. Yeah, Let's $10 million cut, cut me lifetime a, contract. Cut me a deal and I will go to, I will go to East Lansing. I will go to Iowa. I will go play in in the dregs of the emergency medicine world for, and i for mean how hard dollars. could it be i'm it, already good enough to be an offensive coordinator because i know you shouldn't run a jet sweep on yes. fourth and short like what else is there what were you now thinking? yeah <laughs> you what know. were you thinking that's right well i predict that we will both have two more w's in the column and i will say if that happens and kyle mccord looks good our defense plays well and we beat a pretty solid maryland team and then handle purdue without much difficulty on the road I will be a happy camper when we sit here two weeks from now, right before the Penn State game, which is looming as a monstrous showdown unless we stub our toe or they do along the way. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I was setting up a big uh, a big uh, party uh, college football, and my priorities have changed uh, during that day. My sister is coming to visit. We're going to see Eddie Vedder together. Um, and That's a solid priority. It's a solid priority, and she is a Michigan State alum and fan. And her plane does land before the game begins. But I just don't have the heart in me to to smack talk my sister when Michigan State is going through, I don't know, probably the, the worst era of football just starting to since John L. Smith or maybe even before. And so, yes, I will wear my Michigan jersey when I pick her up from the airport. Yes, I will subject her <laughs> to watching the game with me. 
but it will just be warm but smiles. But in a gentle well, way. Warm smiles and hugs <laughs> beyond that. I might have to quietly pump my fist every time that we run it into the end zone, but yeah. it's not going to be as raucous or I'm not going to be nearly as obnoxious as I was planning to be. So Michigan will probably stump Minnesota and Indiana and have two more in the W column before we meet next. Yeah, and then we'll move into the, the beginning of the consequential part of the season. Yeah, Michigan will be seven games in. Ohio State will be halfway through their regular season. And and then we'll be getting into the real meat of it when we start some of these huge games. And we still won't know much about our teams next, no, next time I we think, meet. I think I'll learn a little bit about Ohio State this week, but Penn State obviously will be the next test. That uh, It's just funny because we beat Notre Dame on the road. That's a huge win. I will always cherish that for the rest of my life. When I think of that game, I will smile. And we could beat Penn State, which will be another game that would be a monster win. Yet we could win them all till November. Well, <laughs> and, not, uh, not only and the, in the game, and if we lose that game, somehow it all seems to fade. Not only did you beat Notre Dame, but it gave you data. It gave you things you need to work on, things you need yeah. to improve. If if Notre Dame sucked this year, then god forbid you wouldn't get the data back until you played penn state and if that data comes with an l then you would have wanted to play against a more stout team earlier in the season and that is what i'm worried about we always talk about football and sports in general but football in particular being a game of inches and i think we saw that demonstrated in the nfl this week when justin fields for three quarters so he has looked miserable this year and then he started to blame coaching and and I thought, it's unfortunate because he was so good. I just find it hard to believe that he can't make it as an NFL quarterback. He threw a good ball. He's very mobile. He's big. He's strong. But he has had a miserable season. And then for three quarters Sunday, he looked like an all-pro. He was like 23 for 24 at one point with four touchdowns. And they found, and which just goes to show you the how razor thin the margin is, even at, at that level of the NFL, that if you're playing the better teams, you can look like dog crap. And if you play the Denver Broncos defense, you look like an all-star, same guy, you know, it's uh, and then of course he had a fumble in the fourth quarter that was returned for a touchdown. And then the Broncos took the lead. And then when he had a chance to have the winning drive, he threw a pick to end the game. So it ended uh, familiar uh, as as many of his games have in the in the pros, but for a shining moment of three quarters, he looked like wow. It's just amazing to me how thin the margin is between success and failure at that level. I think it is more reliant on having a complete team in the NFL as well. Yeah. And so, whereas you can you can be a superstar and put the team on your back in college football to a certain degree. It's going to be a lot harder because everybody there is elite. Everybody is the best of the best. They are so elite. And so when it's you are when you are just a, a step below elite, even for a quarter, you look like dog crap. That's the industry, and that's why they that's why they're cutting your checks. And you know he's in the NFL, so he is he's a grown ass man, and I think he needs to. Uh, he's going to invite more appropriate criticism. But the Bears organization is a complete tire fire as well so it is. i don't want to put uh, anything but he on showed them. that glimmer of like maybe he could be an nfl quarterback on the right team or in the right circumstance but meanwhile cj stroud is i don't want to jinx the guy but looks very solid in the first four starts yeah i and another and who's his number one target nico Collins. yeah a, a hor- <laughs> a, the worst thing the worst thing michigan fans can see right now is watching nico collins do so well because he was horribly underused at Michigan. I mean, every Michigan fan was screaming, just throw it to Nico. (laughs) Nico Collins and Tariq Black, I mean, Tariq Black to a lesser extent, but we had some really elite wide receivers and just no desire to throw the deep ball to them. The Uh, other thing I really like seeing, and I think that we as fans, especially amongst the most hatred rivalries, these people leave their schools and... The game becomes a chummy bet for him, you know. Oh, yeah, you know, right. Tom, Tom Brady had to do the OHIO right. pose with the other Michigan alumni, and Nico Collins and CJ Stroud are extremely, you know, close. Yeah. And he's his number one target. Like it all washes away at the end of the day. And I think I would remind us in these times where we find ways to divide us for reasons that are very ridiculous 
this is also a ridiculous reason to draw lines between us. And at the end of the game, I hate Reggie for exactly three hours a year. (laughs) And when it's over, he's one of my closest friends again. So for the people who listen to this podcast and go way into the depths of the podcast world to pull this out, I would encourage us all to remember that except for three hours late in November. We need to start remembering that, not to drag politics back into it, but that's our problem. The problem on a national stage right now is demonization that if you disagree with my ever so slightly different policy position, yes, some of them are big, big deals, right? And it's hard to reconcile them, but most of them are, I don't know, do you want to pay a 39% or a 34% top marginal tax rate? And somehow one is the epitome of Satan and the other is God's honest truth and the way of the light. Yeah. uh, We need to stop that uh, nationally. And I think that's what we've tried to do on this podcast is, yes, I can't stand Michigan in many ways, (laughs) but I have respect for Michigan. And in the end, one thing you have to acknowledge, and the reason we started this podcast, neither school would be a fraction of what it is if it weren't for the other. No. This whole thing is based on Ohio State and Michigan both being really, really good at college football for over a century. In the- and it's it's been a slow burn, man, like uh, and very hot at times, but that's what makes it great. The- uh, so to wish that the other didn't exist or whatever, that you just, just utter destruction of the enemy is is a little bit carried away for something like this. The parody, the parody of both teams being at playing at their highest level right now is is good for the rivalry. It's good for college football which is going through phenomenal amount of, you know, changes in uh every seemingly every aspect. I mean, the conferences are dissolving and reforming. There's NIL, there's, you know, you can transfer and play for another school at the drop of a hat. Coach Prime shows what a little bit of uh, flash and persona can do for a team's performance almost instantaneously. I love the rivalry even more because it's an anchor to some of the things that I don't think I don't hope will ever change about college football. I'm kind of looking forward to the new era of college football, the 12 team playoff, the life or death seeming circumstances of some of these games is almost a bit much anymore. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I will. I will take it. I will take it as it comes. I don't. I'm not apocalyptic about it. Like I think many fans are. I. I wish. The only thing I wish more than anything is that we had a limit on the amount of commercial time that could be injected into a four quarter game. I think that is the biggest threat to to uh, college football. Um, but I. Everything else. I am. I will take it as it comes, and I will still enjoy the hell out of the sport. Uh, love it yep. every weekend. Every it's, weekend. Uh, and it goes so fast. We, we wait, we wait, we wait all year, and here we are. Ohio State's a third of the way through their season. Michigan's got five games under their belt. There aren't that many weeks left. It's Christmas, man. I mean, and, it wakes. Yeah. it's the same way. It wakes me up at 5.30 in the morning. I can't go back to sleep. I'm downstairs with, well, now big noon kickoff. Now that college game day is really taking a dive off a cliff. Yeah, they have. I, I, I flicked on it. Man, we're really into the extracurriculars, but... I turned it on the other uh, the other day, and it was Kirk Herbstreit talking about how Pat McAfee was so hungover that he threw up in a trash can right before the <laughs> broadcast. And I was like, "What? What has this? I understand it's all in search of the almighty dollar, and Pat McAfee is the cool new hip guy, but like, it's supposed to be about football, man. Yeah. And they are, I don't know. I'm I'm a Big noon kickoff guy with college game day during commercials now, unfortunately. And well, they could rehire Lou Holtz. He's good for click clicks, <laughs> the Google searches. So yeah. bring, bring back the old yeah, school. Yeah, the brand, the, the Lou Holtz brand is stronger than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, apparently. All right, Andy, until we meet again in two weeks, go Bucks. Go Blue.